Welcome back to Dear Nina, Conversations About Friendship. Today we are talking about the following statement, friends are the family you choose. Maybe it's something you've seen in a greeting card or a wall plaque in a cute boutique, and I agree with it. When friendship is done well in its best moments, when people show up in good times and bad, even when it's inconvenient, friends can be the family you choose. Now, of course, there's the opposite idea that blood is thicker than water, and that's something people say too, but we don't have to declare it's one or the other. We can cherish family and friends. But I do think that friendships, since we choose them, can feel extra special when you can count on those people like you would with family, which is, of course, what's so hurtful when we have friendship breakups, when people choose to not be in our lives. But that's for an entirely different episode. Here to discuss today's topic with me is author Rachel Levy-Lesser. Rachel is the author of Life's Accessories, a memoir and fashion guide. Her work has appeared in Glamour.com, Parenting.com, and Modern Loss, among others. In a previous life, Rachel worked at Time, Inc. on magazines including InStyle, People, and Real Simple. She is currently the host of Blaze Baking with Rach on A Mighty Blaze, where she interviews authors as she bakes with them. When not writing or baking, Rachel can be found practicing yoga, knitting scarves, and wearing them. She lives in Pennsylvania with her husband and two teenage children. And just like me, she does love the topic of friendship. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you, Nina. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for that lovely intro. Yes, I'm so excited to talk about friendship. I could talk about it all day long. (laughs) And the memoir I mentioned is one of four books you've written, right? And published. Correct. Yeah. Life's Accessories is my fourth book, my most recent book. I also um, wrote a book called Shopping for Love, uh, which is uh, in the memoir genres about shopping with my mom when she was sick. I wrote a children's book called My Name is Rebecca Rom, named after my mother's mom, about where your name comes from. And I wrote a book about, um, it's called Who's Going to Watch My Kids? And it's about the relationships, the unique relationships that develop between working moms and their nannies. Rachel, can you tell us a little more about the memoir, since it's the most recent book, and the circumstances that made it so clear for you that friends are the family you choose? That's a big question. So you know, take your time answering. And it's sort of two questions in, in one about the book, and then a little more of your story that relates to today's topic. For sure. And there is definitely a relationship between those two questions, which I can appreciate. I know you can too. My most recent book, Life's Accessories, which came out in 2019, it's a memoir and a fashion guide. And I should say that I thought that I was perhaps done writing books right before I wrote that book. But the truth is, I definitely had something in me. Now, to give you a little bit of a timeline, my mom was diagnosed with cancer in 1998. She was 51. I was recently out of college. I think I was like 23. And she died in 2004 when she was 57. And I had just turned 30 and had a new baby of my own in a uh, newish suburban town for me. And we're going to get to that a little bit more, I think, when we talk about friendship. But the book sort of came to be because when my mom got sick and eventually died, I was a complete mess, which is probably an understatement because my mom, you know, she'd been my person. I know people use that word a lot, but she really was my person. The best way I could describe my mom is to say that I could just never get enough of her. 
I would, she would come meet me say when I was working in New York in magazine publishing in my twenties and she was sick and she would come and meet me for lunch and we'd have a great conversation. And then I'd go back to work and she'd go back home. And then I'd call her that night because I just had to tell her something else. And I just couldn't get enough of her. And that's the way a lot of my friends actually would describe her too. I think they, they really enjoyed her company. Oh, that's amazing. Wouldn't you, how, how much would we love our kids and their friends? I mean, that's just a bonus to describe us that way. I mean, that's I so beautiful. I love that you said that. I wish. It's funny. Um, my daughter recently had some of her friends stay over, friends that she doesn't see all the time. And one of them said, oh, you're just like a taller version of of Rebecca, my daughter. And I was like, I took that as such a compliment. I was like, I think she, they kind of like hanging out with me in the same way that that my friends used to like to hang out with my mom. So I'll I'll take that as a good early sign. We'll see. I'm going to tell listeners that, sorry to interrupt Rachel's story, but we both have a Rebecca and in the episode that airs right before this episode, I talk about friendship chemistry and how the tiniest little similarities you have with somebody can add to chemistry. And like Rachel and I both perked up when we realized that we both have a Rebecca. It's just like a silly thing, but it really does. It does sort of just like scratch an, uh, an itch in us. Like when we're connecting with people, little things like that, that we both chose for different reasons to name our daughters Rebecca, which isn't, you know, it's not a rare name, but it's not an extremely common name. Does she know any other Rebecca's? You know, it's funny. She doesn't have all, any other friends named Rebecca. So right. it is, no, Same. it definitely is a point of connection, especially the way you said it is the way I would say it. I have a Rebecca. Yes, you know? that's what I say. I have a Rebecca. Okay. Anyway, I'm so sorry. So keep going. And the, so your mom was someone you could really never get enough of. And that's so hard that you lost her at such a young age for you. It really is. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. But so, you know, back to why I wrote the book was that, I thought I was going to be such a mess. I could never get enough of her. And there I was at age 30. She died at age 57. And I was facing the rest of my life, hopefully a long life, without this person that I could never get enough of. I sort of went through all the stages. I dealt with life. There was a lot in there. I mean, at the time, I was, like I said, 30, married, my wonderful husband. I had a new baby. We had moved back to the area in suburban Philadelphia near where I had grown up after graduating from business school in Michigan to be near my mom for whatever time she had left. And sadly, that time was only a few months. I found myself then alone. Well, not alone. I mean, I did have a husband and a baby, but without the cocoon of my friends who were my friends from college and work and growing up and, you know, all those places in life where we meet these really key people who were going to become a part of our lives. Where were, yeah, where were like the college and grad school friends mostly at that point? Okay, yeah. So grad school friends by that time, having gone to school in the Midwest, were kind of all over a lot in the Midwest, some even in California, some in New York. My growing up friends were kind of in the New York area too. 30 by today's standards to have a baby seemed pretty young, even though not not by our parents' standards, I'm sure. So I was right. sort of the, my husband and I were one of the first of our groups of friends to have a baby. So we had kind of left um the city before before they did. And so you and you were sort of prematurely thrown into suburban life maybe because you wanted to be close to your mom. Yes. And so now you're like in this suburb which is where you grew up. It's close to where you grew up. So the first town that I moved to when I was pregnant was the actual town where I grew up and it was probably 10 minutes from my parents' house. I now live 
all of 20 minutes away from the house that I grew up in. So a different town, but you know, similar. It's funny to, to move to a place where you grew up or near where you grew up. Because of course, when I was growing up, I thought I'm never going to live here. It's so boring. There's nothing to do here. And we really moved here because my mom was sick. It was quick and it was this, let's do this. And my husband was like, sure, whatever you want. And I remember after she died thinking, well, now I can go move closer to New York City or to all these other places. And we actually looked, like we thought about it and we looked at houses and and then we kind of just grew into a life. And that's kind of part of my story, going back to the book too, where I, I was able to make new friends, but still, you know, had these great friends, which became sort of lifelong friends and became the family that I eventually chose. But the book came out because it was sort of my story of how I became okay after not being okay. And I thought people could relate to that story. And they have on so many different levels, whatever they've gone through in their life. Right. Because you don't need to have such, I call it a crisis. I really do. It's a crisis to lose your mother at such a young age for her. You just had a baby. and But you don't even have to have such a big crisis to have friends you need to lean on. It could be you broke your leg or something and you just can't get to the school pickup. I mean, it could be something that's inconvenience, but not a crisis, but you still need help. So what are some of the ways friends showed up that surprised you? Friends show up in different ways all the time, especially in the last two years of COVID when even if you couldn't be there in person, you were there for these these minor crises all along. But I would say in the case of my friends who became my family, and I, I will say this to one of my close friends from college, her mother is the one who said to us many years ago, actually at my friend's rehearsal dinner, you know, she came over to us, you girls, you girls, you girls. And she said, friends are the family that you choose. And um, I always credit her with that. It is true. So when my mom was sick and I moved to the suburb and I was pregnant and I was a total mess. Like I didn't have a rhythm of my life, what was going on. One of my close college friends who was living in New York wanted to come down to spend time with me, but she really also wanted to come to say goodbye to my mom without kind of letting my mom know that that's why why she was there. And so we made, we, we lied to my mom. We told her that she was coming to town for a business meeting in Philadelphia, which was totally made up. Um, and we came over to the house and we spent the best afternoon with her. And my mom was like, what, what is she doing here? Why is she here? And we said, oh, oh, she has a business meeting. And she believed that even though it was like kind of far-fetched. And we still kind of joke about that. I was like, remember the time we had to lie to my mom and you could be here for me? And looking back, I realized what a good friend that was. Yes. That's something you'll never forget that she shared a moment like that with you. Because I'm sure those last months, last six months, last I mean, last year with your mom, it's like, everything's so heightened. And so to have someone witness it, it's like she bore witness to your loss and a loss for her too. I mean, I'm so like attached to my friends, parents, my, my childhood friends and, but beautiful to have someone be attached to your mom too. Yes. I mean, my, a lot of my friends were attached to my mom. Part of it, I think was because I went to Penn undergrad, which is right near where I grew up near Philadelphia. So my, my mom and my family kind of became the adopted family for all the friends and came home for the holidays and everything. But I, too, become attached to my friend's parents. I don't know. It's because if I because I lost my mom. I feel like I, I have a lot of adopted moms, so to speak. Um, I still have my dad, who's wonderful, and, and my friends are really close with him. Yeah, I think there's something special about kind of knowing your close friend's parents because they are, in some ways, an extended part of your family. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I sort of have a somewhat you know, opposite experience to share right here is where, you know, my dad died in December and he was more like 80. So it's a different, different in that way. But because I've lived in Minneapolis the past 20 years and my parents are in Chicago 
And because he was sick for a lot of that time, it's hard to travel. My parents didn't come to Minneapolis that much. And so my friends here don't know my parents really. I mean, they know they've met them through the years and they certainly hear me tell a lot of stories. And my mom is in my writing a lot. She's on the podcast sometimes. I mean, she's present, but they don't, it's not the same way it would be if my parents lived here or if these were childhood friends. These are my adult friends. When my dad died and people showed up to the funeral, they got in their cars and drove to Chicago. I could like get teary-eyed thinking about it, got on an airplane. You know, it's so inconvenient. And and you know how it is like being Jewish. Rachel and I are both Jewish. Like you bury within a couple of days. And so nobody has time to clear their schedule. I mean, you have to just cancel everything. We all have kids and people like move their lives. They do it for me. It's it's like they don't know my they didn't know my dad really, but I mean, I still will never forget that. And of course I could barely see them. It's not like I could hang out with them, but it's and I had two college friends come in from the East Coast. Unbelievable. I mean, I still it's a, it, it seems like that should be basic, but it's not. I mean, it's above and beyond. It's so funny you said that um, because there's a chapter in my book, Life's Accessories, about the funeral. And of course, I have to relate it back to an accessory. That's part of the book, which people could probably figure out from the title. But I wore this hair ribbon to the funeral for my mom. And I gave the eulogy that she asked me to write when she was very sick. And I describe a lot about that day. I don't remember a lot of it, But what I write about and what I do remember is the people who showed up. And I kept saying that over and over again. I can't believe the people that showed up, friends that I've known forever. And that is, it's so true. Most of them did know my mom because what I just described, but some of them didn't even, like new business school friends who had never met her, who flew in for me. And, you know, that's, that's what a friend does. And that was kind of the lesson I took from that. So as we get older, of course, more of our friends are losing their parents. And I'm, I'm so sorry about your dad. And even when you said that he died when he was 80 and my mom was younger, it doesn't matter. I mean, my grandparents live to be in their 90s and I still miss them every day. It's a lesson I took away from that when you're kind of like, should I go? I don't know. Is it weird if I go? Just go. So true. Yes. If you're if you're wondering, yeah, showing up at Shiva's right, if or you're wondering, go. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I probably got us off track, but nothing's off track. It's all on track because this is all for you. I'm thinking about when you have that baby. You have this little baby boy. It's a place you know because it's your old home, hometown, but you don't have, you're not in New York City, like in Brooklyn with like all the, that's, I mean, I'm so Midwestern. So I have this image of Park Slope or something and everyone with strollers and you can just like run into people at the playground and things here are a little harder. They require getting in a car and, you know, putting everything in your trunk and making a plan. There's not a lot of running into people when you live in suburban Minneapolis. It is funny picturing how clueless I was. And um, what was hard for me then was obviously because my mom was sick, but friendships are important to me. They're important to you. And I was like, I have no friends. What am I going to do? And I wasn't really in a state to make new friends too. And that's a whole other thing. There's actually a chapter in the book called Mom Dating. And it's about meeting new friends with a new baby, which is probably a whole other episode or maybe several. These friends that were my family really did show up for me. I was working part-time in marketing when I had this little baby. I still had a babysitter for like one afternoon when I was done work for for kind of like extra things to get stuff done. And I was like, I don't have anything to do. I don't have any friends. So one of my friends came out from New York, I remember for the day, just to hang out with me. Uh, She knew I had a babysitter with my baby and she knew if I didn't have anything to do, I was probably just going to like drive around and cry uh, because I was so sad about my mom. I think my mom was actually getting a treatment that one day and she came down 
which was a big deal, big effort. She was actually pregnant too at the time. And she just hung out with me for the day. And I'll, I'll never forget that too. Like my good friend who lied to my mom about her business meeting. Right. There are just, just so many ways that people showed up. And I also turned 30 that year, um, right before my mom died when I did have a new baby. And I, I didn't feel like I was in such a celebratory mood. And I remember my husband planned a surprise dinner for me in New York City with that group of friends. And it was just what I needed. I felt like I was home again when I was with those people. They were the only people that I wanted to be with. I love that. And I want to also point out that we have certain friends in our lives that we sort of expect to show up for these things and we should not take them for granted, which is related later to my better friendship goal of the week that we'll get to. But I also think it's true that when people show up and you didn't expect it, like maybe you didn't know the friendship was at that level, or maybe the friendship wasn't at that level, but it jumps to that level because they showed up. And so it's a good thing, like you said, uh, related to just go to the funeral, go to the shiva, go to the thing that you're not sure about, because it actually can create a closeness that eventually leads to this family-like feeling. It, it's it's like a chicken egg thing. You don't have to wait until you're so close to someone to be the one who shows up with a meal, to be the one who helps. Sometimes doing the thing is the thing that creates that closeness for the future. It's so true. It's so true. And you know, I keep talking about this close group of friends from college and from growing up and stuff. And I don't want to exclude the friends that I've made in the last, I guess it's been 18 years since I've lived in the burbs. Um, but it just reminded me of something that you said, because those those relationships, my new friendship, I do have friends now in my town. I'm not driving around in my car crying, waiting for my college friends to show up. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So that's good. Um, but it took time to make those friends. But you were right. There were things they did for me and that I did for them along the way, which may have felt like, should I be doing this? And then that just brought us closer. And um I used to think that the friends that I had who knew my mom, I would they would always be one way because they did know my mom and she was such an important figure in my life. But I will tell you all the friends that I've met through being a mom, none of them have ever met my mom. And yet I feel like they do. And they continue to show up for me in so many different ways. For example, I run this um, event every spring. It's a fundraiser to raise money for a nonprofit that my mom was very involved in, and it's named for her. And I think you know, 200 people come. And we haven't had it the last couple of years because of COVID, but we're having it again this year. And so many people there never knew my mom. They're my new friends, you know, 18 years is new, and they show up and they honor her. And I know they do it for me, but. I'm so appreciative of that. And I, I always say to them, my mom would love you so much. She would love Aww. this about you and she would love that about you. And I, I feel really lucky to have them as well. That's a great way to frame. Uh, and I also put in quotes, newer friendship. I've lived here 20 years. So we, you and I have do sort of a parallel lives. Some of these friends I've had so long, as long as I had the child, if you think about our childhoods, it's really the same amount of time for the most part. I know it's crazy, right? Yeah. And they're, and they're becoming, you know, old friends. Oh, another important thing I want to point out in terms of friendship, feeling like family, is sometimes we have to ask friends for help the way you would ask family. And that's when I think you know you're really close to someone. So I am totally comfortable calling one of my sisters. I have two sisters. Or calling one of my three sisters-in-law or my brothers-in-law and saying, I need this, this, and this. Can you do this for me? I would have no problem. I like think about any big event we're having in the family about mitzvah, like something happy, really would have no problem saying to my sister-in-law, can you grab the other three kids and take them to this while I have this going on? 
it's sometimes harder to ask a friend to do that stuff. But if you feel comfortable asking a friend, then you know that friendship has really reached the next level. When my dad died, for example, and I had to leave for Chicago earlier than my husband and the rest of the family, he was running the show with four kids here. And he wanted to ask one of my closest friends for just a little favor, which was to drive two of the kids to school. And the school is about 15 minutes away, which is in your world, maybe not far. I'm not sure. I think of East Coast is so spread out certain things. That's, like more tra- That's going to the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. Well, here, you know, the grocery store is five minutes. So right. 15 minutes and totally in a different suburb. It's a really the wrong direction from where my friend would be going. Her kids go to school, complete opposite direction. And I said, no, don't ask her. Like, she's got so much going on. Like, you just, you take them. And he's and he's like, no, I have all these other things to do. And to make my day easier, it would really help if she could take them. And he said, you go to Chicago. Don't even worry about it. I'm going to ask her because close friends with her too. He asked her and she was happy to help. Like, But he had to ask. And nobody can read his mind and say, oh, sure, it would be nice for Brian if someone took the kids to school the day Nina leaves. No one would think of that. No one should think of that. But his point is true. You you have to ask. You have to be willing to ask. And I made, and she would ask him too, I think. That's a really good point. And I feel lucky enough that I do have friends that I can ask for those kind of favors. I should say when you say, or when, when anyone says friends are the family you choose, I think sometimes perhaps there's a negative connotation like, oh, well, your own family stinks. So you have to make family from friends. And I, I just want to clarify, like I have, I have a wonderful extended family. I feel really lucky. Um, but I think you also need your friends as your family, particular yeah. to go back to the crisis of losing my mom. They were my family, who were great people, were in their own situation and their own pain. And so my friends stepped up to be the family that I needed then when my real family was dealing with other stuff. And I think um, in this day and age, it's not like every family lives in the same town like back in the good old days. Yeah. So you do need your friends to drive your kids when you're sick or to pick something up. And I know what you mean. I don't I don't like to ask people for favors. I like to do favors. Right. It's hard to ask. It's hard to ask, but it also, especially when things are going on little or big, people feel better for, for knowing that they're doing something. Yeah, and doing you. something actually helpful. Like instead of doing something that makes helps them check the box, I think yes. they really prefer if it's something that's actually going to be helpful. You said something important, and I'm going to play two voicemails that actually speak to it because I do have a private Facebook group, which you joined, thank you, called Dear Nina, the group. And a lot of times in that Facebook group, I pose the topic or I, I bring up the topic that's coming up in an episode just to be able to include some other points of view. And I put on there the statement, friends can be the family you choose. And you and I are coming at it from one point of view, a similar point of view, which is exactly what you just said, that it's like you kind of create your village and your family's great too, but you also need your own village of friends. Maybe you live far away from your family for many reasons. Just also, it rounds out our lives completely. The two people who left voicemails, one of them is my mother, actually, but the two people who left voicemails and people who wrote comments really came at it from a slightly different point of view, which is a little bit more what you touched on, which is a realistic take that there are situations where some people are raised with a family that really was damaging in some way. And so they have no choice but to create family out of friends. And I'm going to play those for you. They're short and we will discuss it for a couple minutes and we will wrap up from there. Friends being family that you choose is 
what it is for me. It's 100% how I have healed and how I have created new patterns and traditions and broken the cycle with my own children and my own family um, because my immediate family growing up was not safe to be emotionally vulnerable, was not safe to actually talk about things that were important to me um, as often it was used against me. And so having uh, friends that stepped in that I could go to for Thanksgiving that welcomed me in their homes as their family for family vacations in the summer and holidays was so pivotal in my adolescent years and even moving into college. And now that I am nearing 40 and I look around, the friends that I have closest to me are truly my sisters. And truly, it's a blessing that I feel like those friends love all of me, not just the pieces that they choose to see. And they don't use the other parts of me to cause pain. And I think that is such a beautiful thing. Those are also... So she got a little cut off, but um, then I'm going to play my moms and we'll talk about them both. Hi, Nina. This is your mother. I read your question with great interest since I got married very young, age 20, still in college. And um, my feeling is that friends do become your family, especially if you have challenging in-laws, which I do. Um, so friends who are family, you still know. They're still friends and they're still like family. And you know how important I think friends are. And so, yes, I vote. Friends are like family. In my mom's case, she's from upstate New York and got married in college. She was a junior at Northwestern and she lived pretty close to my dad's parents, who I was very close with my grandma, but probably I wouldn't have wanted her as a mother-in-law. And, you know, she was difficult. And my mom's friends, I mean, I really saw it saw it, especially when my dad died, but I've seen it my whole life. Just the way that they have always been there for each other. That's really been the model of friendship that I purposely created in Minneapolis. It's like I took my mom's, because I did the same thing. I moved to my husband's hometown. She moved to her husband's hometown. And I was actually 23 when we got married. I was pretty young also. I absolutely modeled my entire adult life of friendship on what I saw with my mom on her friends. The first voicemail I think really represents also some of the comments I got on the Facebook page about people whose family have issues of racism or other, there were just other kinds of issues that people are, have chosen to separate from their families. And I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add about that. No, uh, th thanks for telling me that about your mom. It's funny thinking about the topic of friendship for today and my mom. My mom had a close group of friends called the birthday group. Um, because they started out when they were young and married and had kids, they always celebrated their birthdays together. And I actually am still very good friends with the birthday group, even though they're a full generation above me. And I don't know if this is going off topic, but as far as friendship, when my mom died and she was in her 50s at the time, I knew it was young, but I couldn't tell how really young it was until now I'm approaching 50. And I've realized through the years, the reason that the birthday group keeps up with me is because they, you know, they miss their friend. And I'm a part of that and vice versa. So that just reminded me of it when you said, um, you know, how you modeled your friendships over your mom's, your mom's friends. Cause I've seen it through the years. I do a little bit of that too. And that's really nice. The other caller too. Yes, I definitely, I noticed that from some of the comments on the Facebook group, which is a great group that I joined. Thank you for 
for doing that. I think that's tough. I mean, when you when you feel uncomfortable around your family like that, I think a lot of people have probably felt that way over the last few years with all the political divisiveness and other yeah. things going on in the world. I feel really lucky that there's not tension like that around my Thanksgiving Day table or, or any other kind of table. But for me, and I think for you, friends have become family, not to replace the family that you have, yeah. but just to kind of open up your world. But in a case where you feel like you're lacking things with your family, which I know there are many instances of that all the time, then friendships become even more special. So I, I appreciate you sharing both of those voicemails with me and, and with everybody. You know, I think then it's actually, it's funny. At one point I said that, it, and you did too, we both said it could be a negative view. I changed my mind on that based on what you just said. You said it so nicely. Really, it can be a positive thing. It's an opportunity. If you don't have what you need from your family, it's like we're giving permission. You absolutely can and should find that. And by the way, I, even though I have a wonderful relationship with my extended family, in fact, my aunt always says, don't we have the best family? And I say, we do have the oh, best family. That's so nice. But, but there's definitely things that I don't get from my family that I get from my friends, for sure. Yeah. No, it would be too much to depend on your family for all of your needs. And, and just like you can't really depend on just one friend for everything, you need a variety of friends. I think true for family, too. I will say, though, getting back to kind of our original, you know, initial intro, I think one of the reasons that my friends have become even more important to me than they were when my mom was alive is because, you know, my mom was the first person I called in the morning um, every day. And now my friends are. And so, you know, it's not like they've replaced her, but there's pretty big void. And I'm really cognizant of that. And I I learn more and more about that every day, even like as I recall some of the stories about how they've stepped up for me and continue to do so. And I and I hope I do the same for them. It becomes more and more apparent. That is the perfect segue to our Better Friendship Goal of the Week. My suggestion for listeners this week is that if you have a friend or two or three who falls into this very special category, tell them. Like, I love what you just said, like that you have this person, you know, with people you can call first thing and how much you appreciate that. Our goal is that we, if we have these people who really do feel like actual family, then we shouldn't take them for granted. And true for family too. If you have family who's particularly fantastic, actually, after, you know, hearing that voicemail, um, the first one, it's a great reminder that we also need to appreciate the family who are great, but with friends in particular, I think it's easy to take for granted these people who are so there for us unconditionally. And the goal for the week is just to reach out to one or two and kind of really out of the blue and just say, hey, there's really no, no reason in particular. I just wanted to say how much I appreciate the ways you show up for me. You're like, that's it. Love, Rachel. Love, Nina. <laughs> Love whoever, everyone, anyone listening. That is a great idea. And I am so going to do that. Yeah, I'm going to do it too. And Rachel, I cannot wait to read your book. So I just, you and I connected kind of recently online, although we really have been circling the same online orbits for a while. I am getting your book right away. I, for everybody, will have it in the show notes. I'll have a link to Rachel's website and her show that she does on baking. And she's going to have a podcast coming up in, when did you say? In the summer? Uh, the fall? We're no, the fall. for the fall. Yep. And what's it going to be called? Um, it's called going to be called the Bittersweet Baking Podcast. Oh, that's such a great title. I love that. And so I will also have all kinds of things connected to Rachel in the show notes, which you can always find on ninabadzen.com. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Nina. I so enjoyed it. 
And I want to thank my producer, Dave DeLuger. Everyone can join us on the Facebook group, Dear Nina, the group. That's what it's called. And if you're ever looking for the links to ask me an anonymous question, like if you don't want me to know who it's from, that form doesn't require an email address. So you can easily ask or make comments without me knowing it's you. But if you want me to know it's you, you can send me an email at ninabadzin.com, B-A-D-Z-I-N. And everything from the anonymous form to the show notes to a link to my monthly newsletter is all linked on my website, ninabadzin.com. I don't have a lot of original names. Everything's really just my name. And thanks again, everybody. Remember, when our friendships are going well, we are happier all around. Mm -hmm.